Hey, hey, what do you say? This is Bobby Brooks from Overkill. That's right. You're listening to Iron City Rocks. This is Gary Holt from Exodus, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. Hi, this is Milipotata from Creator, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks. This is Ross the Boss from Death Dealer, and you're listening to Iron City Rocks, the best show on the net. Welcome to episode 220 of the Iron City Rocks podcast. I'm your host, Sean, coming to you from the Iron City of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. In episode 220, we got two very special guests for you. We got from the band creator, singer Millie Petroza. But Before we get to that, Aaron had a chance to talk to the legendary Ross the Boss. You may remember Ross from the band Man of War. Aaron gets to talk to him about his new project, Death Dealer. Before we get to that interview, though, here's a track from Death Dealer's War Master album entitled Death Dealer. gentlemen i have on the phone with me um well quite honestly a metal legend ross the boss ross how you doing tonight i'm fine aaron i'm real good man thanks for joining me i can't even begin to tell you how excited i am to do this interview tonight um we're here to talk about your new project death dealer can you tell us how death dealer came about yeah it's uh about 18 months ago um on facebook believe it or not uh sean peck i'm friends with sean peck and he comes to me and goes, you know, Ross, uh, you, would you like to play on a couple of tracks for I Got a Couple of Tracks, blah, 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 blah. And I go, yeah, sure. You know, because I'm, I'm like that and I do a lot of, uh, I, do, I, do, I play with a lot of folks. And, uh, um, you know, and then the next, I said, okay. And then the next day, Stu calls me, which I'm friends with too. And he goes, oh, by the way, uh, yeah, I'm like, you're my idol. I've been, you know, I've been listening to you forever and blah, 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 blah. And he goes, uh yeah, I'm working with Sean. I go, oh, really? So I'm kind of getting this, you know, these two guys are working together. And okay, they're asking me to play. Okay, so then the next night, I talk, Sean calls again. And we're messaging. And he goes, by the way, uh, you know, I have a concept for a band. I go, really? A band? And he goes, yeah. I go, what's the name of the, what's the band? You know, I don't know anything. He goes, it's called Death Dealer. <laughs> and he goes, well, 
it's it, if you if you want to do it, it would be me. It would be Stu and you on guitar, and Mike Davis on bass. He plays with Lizzie Borden and Rob Halford. I go, ooh, that sounds good. That sounds good. And Rhino on drums. I go, Rhino, I'm in the band. Okay. So that's how it started. And then we and we proceeded to you know go nuts with files and sharing and uh, a flight to L.A. and blah blah blah. And then here we are. Man. And I gotta say, like I, I'm, I was super excited to hear about this because I've been following your career since Mandalore. Like I'm sure a lot of guitarists my age have been. And so, how would you describe the sound of this new record? Because I mean, to me, I guess the category is power metal. Like, what do you guys call it? I don't know if it's power metal or not, Aaron. I would say it's like real. It's just heavy metal with with the uh, with the precise edge of thrash and. Well, I don't know. I, I, I guess that's it. I mean, there's too many too many categories in music for my liking anyway. I am so, so I, with you. You know, I can't take it anymore. So I call it I call it heavy metal. I know. I, I kind of lost it when an, um, there's a band I listened to, Dillinger Escape Plan, and somebody told me they're called math metal. I'm like, seriously? Right. I'm like, what are we? Are we supposed to like get out a, um, a scientific calculator while I listen to this? What are we talking about here? You're, you're driving me crazy. Right, right. So I like. Let's just call it metal then. So I am curious. The name Death Dealer was that a nod to that Frank Frazetta painting? The well, I um, no, I think Sean came. Sean came up with the name. I don't know how where he got it from. I never really asked him. Could be. Well, I, I, I got to say, like the minute I heard the name Death Dealer, because um, you know, we we first got like like I think the early teaser press back in January, and um, I, the email was forwarded to me uh, by John that you know runs Iron City Rocks, and. He says, hey, you know, you're Ross the Boss fan, aren't you? And I just start reading through it. I see the name Death Dealer. I go out to the site. I see the artwork. And I'm listening to the tracks, and I am just giddy because I haven't heard guitar playing like this in a long time. So what was, like, this the writing process like, like with this? I mean, you guys are all obviously top musicians, right? Top of your game, really technical players, but also very melodic players and schooled songwriters. So how did the whole writing of this come together? Um, you know... Everybody had some song. Everybody had some riffs. Everybody had some stuff hanging. Um, Stu had a lot of stuff. Sean Sean writes tremendous lyrics, and everything just came from there. We we, you know, one song led to the other, and my goodness, uh, the final result was amazing. I think. I I have to agree. I have an advanced copy of the album, and I keep listening to it. And I tell you, just the opening track alone. Death Dealer is worth the price of the, the disc, let alone all the other great tracks on there. Yeah. Um, I, you know, once I, once we finished it, I told Sean that, uh, you know, I haven't had this feeling a lot, but I think this, you get kind of like the classic kind of feeling about it. This is a fantastic, a classic record. I, I, I won't call it that because it has, the public has to, you know, time has to tell, time will tell, but uh, it's really, uh, I think it's a special record. It's a, it's a really great bunch of songs. Yeah, I completely agree. And it's like for me, this record, especially like you know, following your career the way that I, the, you know, the way that I have over the last few years, like I feel that that this record was almost picking up where Kings of Metal left off. Because when you left Man of War, like the the band kind of lost it for me. I mean, like I'm I'm a bass player, so I love Joey and the work he did. But just your guitar playing is really what. What, what was like the, the, the creme de la creme of the band and just kind of topped things off so nicely. So this really, for me, picks up kind of where that left off and just pushes it even further. 
Well, well, thank you for saying that. Uh, yeah, I don't, I'm not, I don't get Manowar from this record. I, I you know, I, I, I would say more that more like the Rust the Boss records have more, 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 more something more to do with Manowar than the Death Dealer. But you know, if you feel that way, if you're getting that vibe, well, then that's good. I was getting that. I was getting that, but it, but it was definitely edgier. Like, like I gotta say, man, Rhino's um, kicking double bass for through through some of these songs. Just wow. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, and um, nah, I, I agree with you, but uh, it's I don't, I don't, I'm not seeing, I'm not hearing Manowar. I'm not, I don't feel that 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 that. I think this is just something new, but I think it's just because it's so energetic and so so alive and so pulsing with power I just you know I don't know and and I think the vocals aren't it it's just it's Sean is just he's in another stratosphere he's a monster yeah you know and I know the cage work and, and I know he had a lot of acclaim with the cage with cage but this I, I said I told him I said these songs really put you put you on another pl- another level oh yeah you know I don't think he ever had songs like this but you know, this is a great record for all of us. Yeah. yeah. And again, it's it's so well written, very melodic, but it really showcases all of you as players and what you can do. Yeah, I agree with that. That's for sure. So what are the tour plans around this? Like, I know I really, really want to see this live. Yeah. Well, we are waiting uh, for a very, very big announcement to be made. I think it's going to be made in the in, at the end of this month, beginning of September about a very big tour in South America in, involving uh, arenas. Okay. So I can't say what it is now, but we're waiting on that. And I think that's going to bring us all of South America and possibly they're talking about Asia. Okay. So if that's the case, everything else, we had a European thing in December, but we might have to keep, to postpone that to facilitate this, this new thing. So, but... We're waiting to we're waiting for the the giant announcement on this. Now, um, do we have any U.S. Um, like U.S. dates planned, or is Europe and we did, did four, we did four shows in the in the at the west in the west coast early July, and uh, we are going to obviously plan more stuff for the coming year. Excellent, excellent. I really can't wait to see this live. Yes. So, let's talk about what your guitar rig's like nowadays. Well, I have to tell you, Aaron. You're going to be disappointed because uh, Ross the Boss way of, of doing things is very simple. Um, you know, maybe maybe that's why I don't get a lot of coverage in the guitar magazines because I take the guitar, I take the, the, the cord, I plug it into the, the guitar, and then I take the end of that cord and plug it into the amp, and that's it. That's it. Nice. I've never used anything else. Um, I, I, I use, I'm just, it's just a guitar and the amp for me. The amp is very good, whether I use an EVM or a Marshall 800 or a Marshall 900. I manage to strangle that amp. I get the sound, I get the Ross the Boss sound, no matter what I play through. So are you, you're just using amp gain then? Like no other pedals to get that gain? No pedals, no nothing. No pedals. Oh, I might, I might use the second channel of the amp for clean, you know, for clean thing. But, yeah. But that's it. Man. But that's it. And, uh. That's my that's my trademark, and it's boring to a lot of people because when you, you know, people are going out when they're looking at the stage and they, they see nothing in front of me, 
they can't believe it. I said, well, that's my thing. I don't, I, I, it's too complicated for me, maybe. <laughs> but I don't, I don't have anything in line with the, just, it's just the, my heart, my hands, my brain, guitar, chord, amp. That's fantastic. Yeah. You know, and, and this is what, I, and I think, again, why I was so excited to see that you guys had, had a project together and that you were playing with with Death Dealer because the the 90s with the whole Nirvana grunge area, era, you got you got stuck in all kinds of effects. And I am an effects guru, and like so I have effects pot all over the place. I love that. But the one thing I could never get across to people when I was, you know, teaching guitar in that mid-90s area when, you know, grunge had kind of soaked up everything then exploded – is that you've still got to practice. You, you've got to put the time and you've got to understand the neck. You've got to know what your hands can do. Your, your tone comes from your hands. If you're not placing them right, if you're not doing the right thing, if you're not getting that expressiveness, like that's, that's how the sound comes from. Yeah. And, you know, quite honestly, I think the guitar magazines need to pick up on that and talk to you a little bit more because that's, that's what we're missing, you know? You know, it'll probably, it'll probably happen when I die. <laughs> I'll tell you that. Let's hope we can do it a little bit before I'm that. I'm serious about that because it's just... Uh, you know, I've only made 26 records or something like that. I don't know. But, uh, you know, I, it's, it's, it's amazing that you talk about that. I, um, I'm watching on TV that I just saw this movie, Sound City. Yeah, I was watching that. You know, and, and Dave Grohl is going about, well, you know, this whole Pro Tools thing, it's good if you use it well, but it's just a crutch for a lot of people because, oh, we don't have to play it. We'll just fix it. We'll just, we'll, we'll, we'll quantize it. We'll splice it. We'll do yep. this. And it's taking the heart out of music, you know. Man, I am so with you. You know, it's, it used to be back in the day when I started recording, when, you know, my first record was The Dictators Go Girl Crazy on Columbia Records, CBS Records, 1975. Wow. And it happens to be... Uh, uh, on display in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in the Punk Rock Exhibition. I'm very proud of that. And, um, you know, you got to go into the studio, you set up, and there's no mistakes. You, you got to live with what you play. Yep. You know, and I think that's I, I think that's ne- more necessary today. I think music would, would benefit more from, from musicians actually having to come up on the spot with magic. You know what I mean? The, 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 the third Dictator's record, Blood Brothers, was done live in the studio. I did all my leads live with the rhythm track. So there's no, there was no turning back there, you know? It's all, oh, can I go back and fix it? Nuh-uh. What I played, I, it, it, I've been, was stuck for an eternity. So, you know, you have to, I think music would be better served if we'd all, more of us would not rely on the digital world. Use the digital world for for effect and for help, you know, for embellishment, you know, to, you know, but not for the whole song. I couldn't agree more. You know, cuz I mean, I have a digital studio at home. It it's it's it was cheaper than tape when I was started getting into it. It makes things easy, you know, but I I still always approach it like tape. Anytime I have people in here to record like, "Well, we can cut this out and comp things." I'm like, "No." And they're like, "Well, what do you mean no?" I'm like, "I don't know how to do that." Like, well, what do you mean you don't know how to do that? Why didn't you learn that? I'm like, because why should we? Why can't you just play it? Well, what right. if I mess up? Well, then we do it again. Right, exactly. You know? Uh, yeah, so, you know, it, over the it just made me a better musician to, well, there was no tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. You no, know, you had to do it. I just had to do it. I, I mean, 
And in the early Manowash days, we had no budget. We had a budget for, for battle hymns, but, but when we went to Interglory Ride and, and uh, Hail to England and Signed on the Hammer, we didn't have really a lot of time. So it was usually that I, I had my leads to do at the end there um, because we spent, we spent most of the time getting the right track, getting the right rhythm track, and of course, Eric, you know, singing. And, you know, then I would do my thing at the end there because everyone knew that I'm a one-take guy. I go in there and yeah. do my thing in one, one or two takes. That's it. It's done. So Winter Glory Ride is one or two takes, you know. And um, people are still listening to it, put it that way. Yeah. I, I mean, like, I was just um, talking to a buddy of mine at work. Tell him that I had this interview coming up, and he just looked at me. He's like, "You're kidding me." He's like, "Ross, the boss from Manowar." I'm like, "Oh yeah," and and he was. It's funny. He immediately started singing one of your guitar leads, you know. And and you've you know made so many memorable memorable solos. Like I, I keep coming back to Kings of Metal because that was like I think that record was my first experience with Manowar, and then I went you know back and forth in the career from there, and just the guitar work on that album alone blew my mind and and you keep pushing it you keep pushing the envelope so to sit here and find out that hey it's just you and a guitar into an amp that's to me that's inspiration some people might might be depressed by it but i'm thinking i'm like i'm like this is great because that means that that i could achieve that someday you know i just gotta keep working keep practicing you know like you gotta practice hard you gotta play from your heart you gotta do what you gotta do you know well you know that that's the thing about music to me i mean i i I, it's all just you have to do it and, and you know and, and the dictators still play and as a matter of fact we're getting ready to do uh, you know a Midwest run it's 5, 6, 7 and 8 in September nice um, we're a very live band it's a live band it's just you have to play them songs you gotta, you gotta deliver it live baby you know especially these days you know cause you know the uh, the record industry is not what it, it once was yep and we're not making we're not, not making a lot of money on our CDs as we once did, but you have to you have to deliver live, and if you could deliver live, boy, you're you're in good shape, because people are yearning for that live, for that energy, for that yeah. magic, you know. Yeah. And there's, there's nothing like like at the end of the show when people just you got that look, they, they have that look in their face like, oh my god, wow, yeah, you know, just like that was so amazing, man. It's like I just you know, we were able to take them take them out of there their world their reality for an hour and a half you know and it's, it's a great it's a great thing you know and Death Dealer is like that too believe me Death Dealer is a live band and uh, I think we're going to be turning a lot of heads heavy metal heads soon that, that's just excellent I cannot wait to see Death Dealer live I will definitely be watching to see you know what tour plans and things you guys have coming up well hey t- would you mind talking about the Kings of Metal record a little bit sure what if I could remember it sure well just that record in general was for me like the pinnacle of a storytelling record there's a theme start to finish it was just a great record so can anything you can remember from that era or or how that came came together I'd love to hear sure 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 sure. we did we started we found that we became friendly with this guy Richard Richard Green who was was working at uh, Universal Studios in Chicago and and, uh, he said well why don't you come out here and do we got signed to Atlantic, and why don't you come out here and do some do some recording out here? You know, we can set you up. It's very nice here. You know, kind of like downtown Chicago. Get yourselves an apartment. You know, if you have, you know, we had the budget. So we recorded "Fighting the World" first, and it was the first digital record, I think. And we recorded everything 
on on you know on the Synclavier because it wasn't Pro Tools then; it was a digital kind of thing that we did. And what we did we did t we used tape too, but pretty much it was a d digital record. And so, so fighting the world was the result of that. And I think the technology got better on the next record because uh, you know the, the big, there's a big change in sound from fighting the world to Kings of Metal. Yeah, I was I was gonna gonna comment on that because Kings yeah. of Metal is a way better sound, way much better, fuller, way better sounding. Right. So not that fighting is bad, but it's just you know a little too compressed for my liking. Yeah. And so so Kings of Metal, we, we recorded everything at Universal Studios in Chicago. Uh, I can just say we had all all the. All the choral stuff was was done off-site. Uh, the, the English guy was done off-site in yeah. England, uh, and then we put it together. Yeah, and Richie Green mixed it. So I mean, it was you know great record, obviously. So a production masterpiece, just start yeah. to finish. And 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 they're and they're redoing it again. Did you know that? No, I didn't know about that. Yeah, they're 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 making the the 25th anniversary. And they're going to re-record it again, like they did Battle Hymns. See, you know what? I, I haven't followed Man of War as closely, uh, mostly because I, I can never see him here. So I, I catch a couple bits of news here and there. I, I'm not sure how I feel about that. Well, I, I'm, I'm, listen, I have my own opinions, and I and I can't say it because it's unprofessional of me. <laughs> uh, you know, but but I know that they believe me, they're going to be all of my records will be redone. All I, six. As a fan, and especially as is impactful and important as that record was to me just as a player in my teen years I, I don't want to see it redone I mean there, there's some records I haven't minded but I really don't think you can improve upon what you guys captured that time and to take it out of time 25 years later it's it's not it's not going to be what it was you know there's a whole there's a whole much whole more different there's a whole much whole much more different thing first of all there's another guitar player in the band there's a different guy and the band is tuning down a whole step and that completely, I mean, if you listen to the, what they're doing, that completely changes the sound and yeah. the tip of the songs. So, but listen, what do I care? I, I don't know. You know, uh, yeah. it's not my place to say what, what people do anymore. So, uh, I mean, uh, I wouldn't waste my time doing things like that, but that's them. Yeah. I mean, as, as a fan, I got to say, I don't think I'm interested in, in that. I'd rather hear something new. You know, and, and again, coming back to Death Dealer, that's why I'm so excited with Death Dealer, because Death Dealer is so fresh and so exciting. And just to hear the singing leads and Sean's vocals are just out of this world. Well, that's that's exactly the way we feel about it. So, I mean, uh, and it translates to the crowd, I guarantee you. So, listen, we're looking forward to a, a long, fruitful band life for this, you know, a shelf life. <laughs> All right, well, hey... Uh, you know, and we, we plan on, we plan on doing a lot of recording. I mean, we plan on putting out stuff. I mean, we're already working on our second record, and don't be surprised if there's a second Death Dealer record in January. That will make my day.
All right, that was a little classic man of war to bring us out of that from their Kings of Metal album. That was a track, Hail and Kill. Up next, from legendary thrash band creator, we have an interview with singer-guitarist Millie Petroza. I had a chance to sit down and talk with Millie on their most recent stop here in Pittsburgh. Before we get to that, though, here is the title track from their most recent album, Phantom Antichrist. Hi everyone, thanks for tuning in. With me we got Neely from Creator. How you doing today? Very good, man. Uh, thanks for taking the time to talk to us. Um, so, early on in the tour, you're touring with Overkill and Warbringer. Can you talk a little bit about how this tour came to be? Um, we figured that we wanted, after the last year we came through with Accept, which was like a mix of two different styles, right. even though it's all metal. Mm-hmm. Um, we figured maybe it's nice, it would be nice to do an all fresh metal tour again. So um, we're looking for some bands, and um, um, Overkill was available, and we I, we know that they're like a major, major headlining band. So we offered maybe we can do a co-headlining thing. Cool. So cool. we flip flop tomorrow. I think Overkill's playing last. Right. Uh, we are playing last, and uh, it, it works well. It works really good. I mean, those guys uh, have been around, you know. Right. No ego. Great, great band. Yeah, we've uh, talked to them before, and you know, they're real good guys. And um, this uh, this tour, you know, you guys have been around for you know almost thirty years. Overkill's been around for almost thirty years. Warbringers, a little bit newer, they've been around mm-hmm. for about ten years or so. Um, what, what what kind of audiences have you been getting? Have you been in there? Yeah, yeah. So quite mixed. Mm-hmm. A lot of young people, but also a lot of like middle aged or older people. Right. Um, people that are. Um, um, have been there from the first day, and you know all kinds. Um, we even get like, like people taking their kids to the audience uh, to, right. to the shows nowadays, and uh, it's it's uh, it's definitely a nice a nice mix and a nice audience. The people are really great on this tour, very supportive, good turnouts. Um, a lot of people come to the show. Um, we even had to turn people away in Montreal because it was so wow. had so places so packed. Um, so it's a, it's a very successful tour. We really like it. Um, the new album, uh, Phantom Antichrist, uh, it's been out for over a year now. Um, it's probably a little more melodic than some of your past stuff, I would think. Was that intentional, or they had were you guys, you know, trying to change the direction a little bit, or we just do whatever we feel like right. doing? I think it's all about the song. If the song uh, demands melody, we'll put it in there. Mm-hmm. If the song demands um, just aggression from the beginning to the end. And that's what it's gonna be, you know. I think we get more and more and more um, 
like it started I think it started with the I album Coma of Souls when we put like a lot of melody in, in the music and then uh, we, we took it from from there to to violent revolution and we kind of like right. to try to um, take this style and make it our own you know I mean this is like what, what, what we're working on make every album unique and uh, exciting to listen to no matter if it's melodic or not melodic we don't think like that we just okay. feel like okay if the song needs melody or if the song needs a heavy you know we, we but with all the melody involved we're definitely also take our time for the riffing right you know, which is it's very very important um, how do you keep it fresh after all this time take our time take we don't release an album every two years right. or every year you know we can't do that because we're always on the road and um and I, I, I need some time off to get inspired again. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're gonna do like next year, maybe not. Maybe we do another year of touring next year. And uh, then the year after that, we start writing. And maybe in 2016 or maybe in 2015, we could release a new album. Do you ever think you'd be going this long? See, I don't think in uh, like that. I mean, okay. you never know what's gonna happen tomorrow. Right, right. You know, I could, I could get hit by a car or something <laughs> stupid happens. Right, right. right. Whatever the atom bomb or whatever, um, I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying that I. Uh, when we started the band, our goal was to do a record. Mm -hmm. When we got, when we achieved that goal, our goal was to tour. After our first tour, our goal was to come to USA. And we achieved that, you know, and it's, that's how that's how it goes. We we still think like that. We we still think from here to the next tour, the next gig. And that's what that's. I think that's that's more healthy than right. setting like. You know, you only get disappointed once you don't reach certain goals. I want to play there, or you know, whatever. I mean, it's it's to me, it's about the music. It's right. you, you should focus on the music, and that's what I sometimes think is a little bit sad about when the band starts. Some bands when they start nowadays, they already have a career plan. Right. We never had that. We never even thought that we would be musicians still. I mean, we wish, you know, when we were kids, we were wishing, okay, hopefully we can make a living and be musicians and don't do nothing else. And that's what we've been doing for, for many years. So, and to me, that was a great ride. And, just, uh, just go with it. Yeah, it was, it's great. I mean, I enjoy it and I, I, I don't want to do anything else. I know it's sometimes stressful, you know. Mm -hmm. It's uh, sometimes it's um, a little especially the waiting around but, yeah, but then again I mean other people have band jobs that are stressful as well this is a job that I love and that's why it doesn't feel like a job you right. know playing music to me is I would do it no matter what even if there was, was only two people in your audience you know? right um, now you guys been around like you know long time and you've obviously influenced a lot of bands coming up are there any new bands that you know catch your ear that influence you guys there's this um, new band, and they're not so new anymore. There's a Swedish band called In Solitude. Mm -hmm. um, they're very good. They look, sound a little bit like, like, Merciful Fate when they started, but now they have their own style created out of this, this strange, Merciful Fate-ish riffing, and of course bands like Ghost or when it comes to the heavier bands, I'd say there's you know the bands like the Warbringer still mm -hmm. I think is a good band. Violator from Brazil. Um, Many many of those bands I like. Um, I like a lot of the new stuff. I always try to check out. The, I, I I I really enjoy the new Carcass record. Yeah. Even though it's an old band, but to me it's it's not about like who's been around for, for how long. I mean, if it's, if the band's good, then, then 
uh, just uh, whatever catches your ear. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and the industry's been through a lot of changes now. And do you think like there's a big push away from physical media, which to me, I think, you know, it's like, oh, you know, here, sign my iPhone. You know, it's 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 kind of soulless, isn't it? Yeah, it's and, and you guys, the artwork, I think, is a big yes. part of any album. Yeah. You guys have always had yeah. great artwork. Yeah. Um, is how how do you go about coming up with like your artwork for your albums? We work with a great artist. Mm -hmm. We had worked with Ben's West Ben's for the last for the for the last for Fantasy Cross. Um, I have a great artist uh, in my hometown uh, that that has been working on the Dying Alive artwork. So I always get involved. Right. Um, I always try to get the the guy in it and, and the, the, what we're working with an idea of what I want, and then we go from there. We go we start from scratch and it's it's uh, we develop the artwork together. I, it's it's sometimes it's hard, you know. Sometimes the art the, the artist comes up to me and asks me, "What is this album about?" And I'm like, "I don't know." Yes. <laughs> you know, and then I just give him the title, "Phantom Antichrist." I mean, I know what it was inspired by right. the song, but I don't really know what this is about. It was inspired by the event when Osama bin Laden got killed and the corpse disappeared mm -hmm. in the ocean or something, and right. I thought that was kind of strange. Um, so I came up with a story about this, you know, and and then I gave the guy the great the, the artwork, an idea of that, tried to explain it to him, and he came up with this idea. And so it's like you you, you inspire people mm -hmm. by the title and the ideas that you have to do their own art rather than telling them exactly right. what to do. That's that's I think a lot um, more. Um, it, it helps the project a lot. More than, than just saying, okay, you got to do this and that, you know. Yeah. Um, one last question I want to ask. Um, you guys, you know, you've done the big giant stage shows. You had that 3D tour and everything, and now here you got like a smaller tour, a little more intimate setting. Yeah. Which Which do you prefer? I like everything. I mean, it's like, um, to me, it's not about. I mean, it's all the. I mean, even here, we try to like bring big production foils right. cut up that's really small um, we invest a lot of money in the, in, the, in the stage show because it's all we have you know mm -hmm. all, the, all we have is like the, the music and, and, and the energy of the of the life experience and um, we want to make sure that everyone get go come see creator um, remembers this as a great experience so um, it doesn't matter whether we play a, a, a place like the autobar tonight or we play at a festival in Europe where the 30, 50, or sometimes even 80,000 people are in front of the stage, you know, it doesn't matter. We try to put the same energy in it. I mean, actually, it's even easier right. to play in front of a larger audience. And when you play in front of like a couple of hundred people, you gotta convince them, Right. you know? It's, it's, not, it's not that easy sometimes. That's what I like about the US, it's always a challenge. You know, you mm -hmm. come from one place, like in Montreal, you get like, or in Worcester, or even in um, Philadelphia, many, many people. And then you play in a smaller place like here today. Um, but I think if the audience is into it, it doesn't matter. Right. It doesn't matter if there's like how many people. It's, it's never about like, it's not a competition to me. You right. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I think it's like about the moment. And of course, every band is happy when a lot of people show up. But if there's not a lot of people showing up, then you give the people that have shown up the, the experience of their lifetime. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, 
Well, I'm really looking forward to the show. Looking forward to the show tonight. Yeah. And uh, you know, thank you for taking the time to talk Always, to us. Man. Always. Right, thank you. Okay, you can catch Creator out on the road with Overkill and Warbringer on the Legends of Thrash Tour. That show comes to your town. Make sure you check it out. I'd like to thank Ross, the boss, and Wayne Petroso for joining us on the show. If you have any comments or feedback, please feel free to drop us a line at ironcityrocks at gmail.com. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash ironcityrocks. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com forward slash ironcityrocks. And of course, check out our website, ironcityrocks.com. Iron City Rocks is part of the Cast Iron Ring network of podcasts, so please feel free to check out the other shows in our network. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. (laughs) 